Jesus, you're the light of heaven. Lord, tomorrow, millions around the world will celebrate the festival of light, Diwali. Over a billion people, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give them the revelation of Jesus, who is the light of heaven. That he being risen brings freedom, liberty, salvation, and eternal life to all who believe, O oh God. So we pray, Father, for our Hindu friends, Lord, and the nation of India, Lord. We pray, God, that tomorrow, as they celebrate, you will bless them. You will protect them, Lord. Most of all, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to them as the light of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's so good to be here with you again. Is this at 10 o'clock or 11.30? 11.30, yeah, right. You know, generosity is a challenging subject. You know, it's one of the one of the subjects that's very challenging, and and yet, you know, I, I really appreciate the leaders of the church uh, confronting this 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 topic, because it's something that the scriptures speak about repeatedly. You know? So it's important that we get the right understanding of what generosity is, because oftentimes, what's being done in the name of generosity. It's become uh, a manipulating, um, uh, sorry, uh, it's been, been people trying to manipulate us or, or, or using the, the guilt trip or, you know, uh, emotions to try to get us to be generous. That's not how it works. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I don't like using pictures, especially sometimes of children, uh, to try to raise funds because I feel like, no, no, that, that's, that's not what it is. Generosity is not trying. It's not manipulation. It's not this kind of, of of putting guilt in people to try to force themselves to to give. That's not how the Lord's word teaches generosity. And I wonder this oftentimes because you know, uh, you know, when we used to give cash offering, one of the things that I always find in the offering bag is dollar bills that are crushed. Have you seen that? It's like, you know, when we give offering, it's like we, we oh, oh, $20, so hard to give. Oh. So, you know, when those people who are counting all the offering, they have to iron all the money out. You know, because everyone has just crushed their money and give, you know. No, generosity flows from our heart. All right? Now, quiz question. What's the opposite of generosity? What's the opposite of generosity. Now, you know, right, one of the best ways to know what is authentic is to know what is fake, right? If you go to the bank or, or, or you know, places where they change currency, they'll put all the fake money there so that they know what the real one is. <laughs> so what's the opposite of generosity? Someone? Come on, someone you know, come on. One person. No? Greediness. Greediness? Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Stingy? Yeah. Selfish? Now, all those are, are good examples, but you know, actually, the opposite 
of the spirit of generosity is actually the spirit of poverty. It's the spirit of poverty. Because generosity, the spirit of generosity is, is, is the condition of our heart. So the spirit of poverty is also the condition of our heart. It shows itself in stinginess and selfishness and greediness, but the condition is a spirit of poverty. Now, what is the spirit of poverty? Now, the spirit of poverty is a spirit of delusion. It's a delusion that in our life, we create our own personal heaven. So we are in life to build our personal heaven. So we look to work and make money and keep that security and control of our life. <laughs> That's the spirit of poverty. Because by possessing things and exercising power through them, we presume that we can protect ourselves from loss. And so we begin to build this entire kingdom revolving around me. <laughs> you know, many years ago, I shared this topic called cat and dog theology. You know, a difference between a cat Christian and a dog Christian. A cat Christian is one who's always asking, what do I get? What do I get? What do I get? Whereas the dog Christian is always saying, what does my master get? What does my master get? This spirit of, of delusion is the spirit of poverty when we think that we can control our life by building our safe heaven for ourselves rather than depending on Him to be the provider for our life. So the spirit of poverty is a spirit of delusion. And the spirit of poverty is a spirit of despair because we are never satisfied we dismiss the possibility that our giving can satisfy others. So why bother? <laughs> why bother and, and, and make sacrifices when no one is going to be happy anyway? <laughs> so the spirit of poverty is the spirit of despair where we don't really understand how wealth can be a channel of blessing because we've made it about ourselves. And when we are not satisfied, we don't believe our sacrifice can nurture satisfaction in others. And so we hold. So we hold back. It's a powerful portion of Scripture in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version I just I read a few versions and I found the Amplified Version just amazing for this. Verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, awakening in them a longing to contribute. For during an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in the wealth of their lavish generosity. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily, begging us insistently for the privilege in participating in the service of the support of the saints in Jerusalem. Not only did they give materially as we had hoped, 
But first, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives by the will of God, disregarding their own personal interests and giving as much as they could. Now, it's very, very important that there are certain words, phrases in Scripture that God puts it there for a definite purpose. Right? Now, when we read this, it's, it doesn't say, Now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the churches of Macedonia. That's not what it says. It says, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia. This whole portion of Scripture is not about the churches of Macedonia. It's about how the grace of God works in the church of Macedonia. So everything that we read here is about how the grace of God has worked in their hearts. See, this grace of giving is a DNA. It's a DNA. It's a building block of our faith in our deep spiritual life that transforms the way we think, breaks us out of the spirit of poverty because we follow a generous God. The Bible says Jesus, who had everything for your sake and my sake, emptied himself, became nothing. So that through his nothingness, we will have everything. This God that we follow is a generous God. His DNA is generosity. That's why here you read this church, they, their response was one of, of, of just like God. Just like God. The Bible says that he, he gave everything. He gave his son to us. Will he not likewise give us all things through Christ Jesus? This generous God. But you see, this, this grace, this grace of giving, this seed of the DNA that God puts in our heart depends on the kind of soil our heart is. The Macedonian church had a good soil, obviously. That's why they responded the way they responded. But we read in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, verses 1 to 18. The seed falls on different types of soil. And in verse 22, he says, The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, receives it. But the worries of this life, spirit of poverty, and the deceitfulness of wealth, spirit of poverty, choke the word, making them unfruitful. So the seed is a generosity seed, the grace of God, the seed of who God is. He is a generous God. But that seed can be choked by pursuit of, of the deceitfulness of the wealth of this world. Verse 23, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times that was sown. 
That's the difference. That's what we see in this church of Macedonia. Right? They were good soil. That when that seed was planted, they did not allow the cares and concerns of this world to choke them. They did not allow the spirit of poverty to take over. But instead, they opened their hearts. They had the spirit of generosity. So they became fruitful. They became fruitful. Now, the Macedonian church is a very interesting church. Yeah, three main churches that are in Macedonia the Bible speaks about. Thessalonica, Berea, and the uh, book of Philippians. Philippi. Philippi. Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica. And, and these are the three Berean churches. If you know how Paul went to Macedonia, it was the Macedonian call. All right, then Paul had a vision of, of a man from Macedonia saying, please come here, please come here. And, and that's how Paul made that trip to Macedonia. And when these churches in Macedonia were planted, the churches were facing severe persecution. They were going through great hardship. But yet, look at their response in verse 3. I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily. That's, that's an amazing gift. Someone told me, you know, wow, one day I want to reach a place where I am so generous that when I give, it doesn't hurt anymore. I tell, I tell them always, I've been giving for many years, it still hurts. Okay? <laughs> so I don't know if you'll ever reach that place. You know, but their willingness to give above and beyond, that's just amazing. It's just amazing. You know, the, the, the standard of our living may change, but our standard of giving must never change. There are times that we may go through abundance. There may be times that we may not have that abundance. But the standard by which we give must never change. So they gave according to their ability. And beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily. And verse 4 is interesting. Begging us. I just read that and I said, Lord, today is the other way around, Lord. I, I dread when I go to America, one TV channels that I never turn to in America are the Christian TV channels because they're all begging for money. I just can't stand it. That's just... Oh, never mind. <laughs> Here is the other way around. The people were begging, Macedonian church, begging, please take, please take. And Paul is like, hey, you need this. No, no, please take. Today, you go to America, it's like, oh, you want prayer? Yeah, sure, $5, you get this. $10, you get this. Like, what? <laughs> uh, by the way, that's the spirit of poverty, yeah? That's the spirit of poverty right there. <laughs> All right, so, so here they were begging us insistently for the privilege. Wow. <laughs> they saw their giving as a privilege in participating for the support of the saints in Jerusalem. Now we have to understand, this church was under persecution. They had nothing. They were poor. <laughs> but they gave out of their poverty. That's why the DNA of the grace of giving broke the spirit of poverty. 
And this was the church of Macedonia. And verse 5, not only did they give materially as we had hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord. The grace of giving is not something we manufacture. It's a fruit of following the giver. <laughs> it's an outliving, it's a byproduct of following the generous one. <laughs> and that's why they gave themselves to him. We read this verse in, in Philippians 4.19. It's a very popular verse, probably one of the most famous verses for posters and placards and banners and pillowcases and cushion covers. Matthew 4, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful verse, right? But I'm very sorry. It's written the churches of Macedonia. It's not written to the general church. This was Paul speaking to the church of Macedonia, Philippi. Okay? So this promise of my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Everyone wants it. Everyone wants it. But we cannot live under the spirit of poverty and expect the provision of this promise. If we want this promise in our life, then the grace of God needs to be evident in us through our generosity. That in Macedonian churches, they gave above and beyond begging insistently, and out of their poverty they gave, not just materially, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. And to them, Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. It's a powerful verse, powerful promise that you and I can embrace. But we need to understand that there are always contexts and conditions to blessings. We can't take one end and say, forget about the others. <laughs> right? Philippians 4.19. And you know, the opposite of this Macedonian church is probably uh, the Lodicia church. You know the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3. You read about them in verses 14 to 22. While the church in Macedonia, their pockets were empty, but their hearts were full. The church in Laodicea, their pockets were full, but their hearts were empty. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Revelation three fifteen to 17. That's the exact... Not, by the way, this is the church of Laodicea, okay? 
not, not, <laughs> not an unbelieving country. No, this is the church of Laodicea. Right? So just like the church of Macedonia, there was the other opposite. And that was this church. And the Lord said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. That's very important to understand, you know, and that whole uh, section of Scripture to the church of Laodicea still ended with the generosity of God because it goes on to say, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open that door, I will come in. So every time God rebukes us, it's never to condemn them and, and condemn us to the place of you know, not being able to turn around. The only reason he rebukes us or points out something in our life that needs some correction is so that we respond back in repentance and say, Lord, I want to know how I can walk in this way, Lord. I want to know how I can allow that grace of God to take hold of my life and a brand new DNA to begin to control the way I live and give, Lord. I want that, Lord. The reason God points something out, even to the church of Laodicea, was it never ended with, you are pitiful and wretched and naked. It didn't end that way. It ended with an invitation. It ended with an invitation to please open the door and I will come. You know, in every stage of our life, God brings us to a place where we need to build an altar. And, and, I, and I believe that even today, God is bringing us over the last few weeks, as you've gone through the book of Samuel, and last week and this week, as you hear about generosity, that is, God is bringing us to our own individual altars. Now, the altar that, that God brought Abraham to, Mount Moriah, it was the altar that God showed his provision. Okay? And yet, that same altar of provision in Mount Moriah, thousands of years later, in that same hills, was Mount Golgotha, where Jesus was sacrificed, showing the ultimate provision and generosity of God towards us. What an amazing thing. All right, what an amazing thing. So if God, in my own life, you know, God has brought me through, you know, this, this DNA is not something we just switch on, <laughs> you know. It's not something that you just come forward, someone pray, and, oh, my DNA has changed now. Now I can give everyone, hello, here you go. No, it doesn't happen that way, right? This DNA is a journey of obedience that God takes us one altar at a time. One altar at a time. Right? My altar started at the age of 17. Now sharing this not to say, wow, man of faith. No, I'm not, okay? Like I say, I still struggle. I still crunch to put money inside. It still hurts when I give, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm learning that too. This, this DNA needs to be constantly nurtured and nurtured and nurtured, right? But, you know, when I was 17, uh, I went for a meeting and there was an opportunity that... that Pastor shared about how there were needs for uh, scriptures in, in China, Bibles in China. And, you know, at that point of time, I could think like a typical student, and I said, oh, what can I give? You know, um, but, you know, the Lord said, I want you to be involved with this. So I, I pledged when I was 17 to give $10 every month 
to buy one Bible for China. It may not appear much, but it was the start of my altar journey. <laughs> because from that point, God took me to the next altar. And one day I walked into our youth fellowship group, you know, and this is when I was 27, one of the youth leaders in the church. And, you know, the, the security guard, you know, his son was getting married the next day. And so he told me, Bram, please come for the wedding tomorrow. You know, so I said, oh, sure, 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 I'll try. And then I went up to look at where the wedding was going to be held. And there was zero decoration except some ribbons from pew to pew. That's all. So I went down and asked him, you know, why you haven't decorated yet? He said, oh, no, no, it's okay. We just want a simple wedding. So I realized he couldn't afford it. He couldn't afford it. So, you know, I got a couple of friends. We drove to the mall. We bought all the flowers we could buy. We got some styrofoam. We stayed back till about 11 o'clock at night, cutting names, carving names, painting. By the way, if you know that I was cutting and painting. You understand why we were there till 11 o'clock. You know, and uh, we, we decorated the whole place for the son's wedding. You know, the look on his face when he saw it and the tears from the father's eyes, wow, <laughs> that's worth more than 700. <laughs> you know? But the next day, you know, I had a friend and I, he was my best man at my wedding, actually. So I, this is a friend I've known for a long time. We grew up together, you know, and he kept saying to me, Bram, I need to see you before I go back tomorrow. He lives in Singapore. I said, why? He said, uh, I really need to see you. I really need to see you. I said, okay, uh, Sunday night you come, you know. So he came to my house quite late, about 10.30 at night, and to, he wanted to meet me. So he said, I don't know why. I've been thinking about this the whole week, but every time I see you, I forget. And if I go without this, I feel like God will punish me, you know. And so he gave me this envelope. I said, oh. said, no, 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 you just skip first. Now he left, said goodbye, went back in the room, I opened it. Inside was 1,400 ringgit. Exactly double of what I spent the day before in buying all the decorations. Now, it would have been easier to give 1,500. But it needed to be 1,400 so that God told me, that was me. <laughs> okay. Now listen, I did not give to expect anything back. Neither should we give to expect, you know, and this is the other part of the teaching of generosity that I, that I really struggle with, where the generosity is tied to return of investment. <laughs> huh? uh, sorry, that's the spirit of poverty. That's not the spirit of generosity. Uh, there's a spirit of poverty there, right there, the DNA. Right? But God just wanted to show me in my altar journey that I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still faithful. Okay? And then I, I used to drive uh, to the other side of Peninsula, Malaysia. You know, not many people drive there because it used to be like eight hours drive. But I had a few friends, that, uh, pastors, that I used to just go every three months and I'll speak in their churches. You know? so I was, but I usually drive overnight. So I get there about 6 o'clock in the morning, walk by the beach, do my quiet time, uh, see the sun rise, and then have my breakfast, nasi lemak. You know? And uh, while I was doing that this, this one time, the Lord just put in my heart, I want you to go to Kalimantan, and it's right across the South China Sea. I want you to go to Kalimantan to this particular group, because I knew they were having some hardship during that time, it was the El Nino 
uh, the harvest was failing, the paddy fields were dry. And so I want you to go and, and, and help them. So I said, okay, Lord, if uh, you, you provide the air tickets, I'll go, Lord. Right. So I finished speaking, came home, arrived home quite late at night, woke up the next day, and I opened the envelope that they gave me for speaking in the church. And in there was 700 ringgit. I called up the travel and asked, can I please book an air ticket to go to this place? And the air ticket was, guess how much? Come on, guess how much? 699. <laughs> the Lord said, $1 tip for you. <laughs> A journey of the altar. And then when I got married, you know, when I got married, you know, uh, of course, uh, honeymoon, oh, how to spend money on honeymoon, don't know when to, how when to pay back for the wedding, you know, but uh, we had our, our wedding in this hotel, and the hotel had some kind of uh, wheel of fortune or something, you know, and, and the prize that I got was a free ticket to Mauritius. So I thought, thought to myself, what do I need to do with one ticket to Mauritius? <laughs> So I called them and I said, can I sell this ticket back to you? Because I don't need one ticket to Mauritius. I just got married. How can I go to Mauritius? Yeah. Say, oh, we're very sorry, sir. We're very sorry. And then uh, I'll check and get back to you. I'll check with management and get back to you. Then a few days later, they called back and said, sir, the management decided that we're going to give you two tickets to Mauritius. <laughs> say, oh, thank you very much. Then a few days later, they called up and said, sir, we decided that we're going to give you the Hotel Ramada Redison uh, five nights, uh, six days stay together with your air ticket. Say, oh, wow, thank you, thank you. And then a few days later, they called and they said, sir, we decided to make it full board so you have all your food covered as well. <laughs> and then when I arrived there in the Ramada Redison, they just finished shooting a Hindi movie. So every Indian guy that went there looked like an Indian movie star. You know? <laughs> So, uh, you know, our honeymoon dinner, they decorated this place with a platform with lights beside the beach. <laughs> and then my birthday was just around that period. I went back to the room. They had my whole room decorated with my birth, and then my birthday cake on the bed. <laughs> See, every journey through the altar, I've seen the generosity of God. The generosity of God. How can I but not respond to this God? How can I but not respond to Him? And you know, this whole portion of Scripture ends in verse 7. It says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in all your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. This is Paul speaking about the Macedonian church to the church of Corinth. He said, while you learn about all these things and abound in all these things, see that you abound in this grace of giving. Amen. Close your eyes for a moment as I pray. Father, just as you took me through and you're taking me through, Lord, this journey of faith from altar to altar. Lord, I know you're bringing my brothers and sisters, Lord, to their own altars 
this morning, O oh God, where you are challenging them to this life of generosity, God. I pray, Father, that they will look at you and see how amazingly generous you are. That you who had everything became nothing and took on humanity and, and so that, Lord, through your poverty, we can become rich, Lord. Lord, you are the, the, the hallmark, the, the standard of generosity. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, that we will be challenged this morning that when we stand before our own altar, that whatever you're challenging us to do and to give, Father, that we will do it in faith, Lord, knowing, Father, knowing that you are able to supply all our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus when we let the grace of giving take hold of us, Lord. Thank you, Father. I commit my brothers and sisters to you, Lord, in Jesus' name.